Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Looking Up. I want to welcome each and every one of you. My name is Danny and I'm joined with my good friend and co-host Sharissa and in our executive chair running the show is none other than Shell. And um, she is just fantastic. She is our producer. She makes sure we are on track while she makes sure I'm on track. Sharissa's generally on track more often than not, but I am needing a lot of work. And so thank you so much, Shell, for, for doing what you do. We really appreciate that. And so, folk, wherever you are joining us from on this Wednesday afternoon, we're here in um, Newcastle, just south of Newcastle, I guess, in a place called Walls End, and it's a cloudy day, but it's reasonable out there, Sharissa, would you say? It, it actually was beautiful earlier this morning, and then a cold change came, didn't it? Yeah, but it's still pleasant. It's still all right. Still pleasant. So anyway, we are, we're heading into, we're getting close to October, and um, things are going to start warming up, and daylight saving kicks in. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. So wherever you are joining us from, uh, whether it be locally here or anywhere around Australia or possibly you may be tuning in from somewhere around the world, you are most welcome and we're glad that you are with us. Now, I want to give you the phone numbers in case you'd like to contact us, uh, send in a question, send in a comment, and in particular, be ready for the prize. We, we will be giving away a prize again, and we're going to tell you a little bit about that later on. But here is the phone number, 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Or you can call one 800 324 so, folk, I uh, hope you are ready for another exciting uh, program in the book of Revelation. We're going through the seven churches. We have had our introduction in week one, and then we looked at the church of Ephesus last week, and this week we are looking at the church of Smyrna. So it's an exciting Bible study. This study is just so jam-packed with hope and encouragement and so relevant Sharissa, to our day right now. Absolutely. To the challenges that we are facing right now, this could not be more relevant. So, folk, you do not want to move the dial from 86.8 Faith FM. Did I get that right, Shell? 87.6, 87.8, or 88. There you go. So somewhere in the 80s. <laughs> you don't want to You don't want to move from the 80s, folk. All right, folk. Well, great to have you on board. And uh, we're going to now listen to some beautiful music. From the Rochesters, keep on, keep on, keeping on. So keep looking up, folk, as you enjoy this song. And we're going to be with you in just a little bit. All around you, the devil is 
is telling you to sit down and give up your cross. A voice from heaven is calling your name. God is telling you there's more to gain. For a sudden retreat God will be with you In this fight Just follow Him For He is the light Don't turn around Keep on walking Just remember God is talking You gotta keep on Keeping on Keep on walking strong Keep on singing a song Though the battle is raging The devil is fighting The storm clouds are fighting The rain is falling you enjoyed that beautiful song keep on keeping on and Sharissa that's what it's all about isn't it that's right keeping on looking at Jesus looking looking up looking up and you know what looking up is not only about preparing for the coming of Jesus you know when you see all these things as Jesus says look up because your redemption is drawing near but in Hebrews chapter 12 we are told to look only unto Jesus looking unto him Jesus, mm. the author and finisher of our faith. Mm. So Jesus is front and center. Amen. Front and center, day by day, as well as the second coming. So all the way through. Because the Bible says, He who has begun a good work in you, speaking of Christ, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the Christian experience is a day by day looking up, looking at Jesus. Don't look at yourself, but look at Christ and Him alone. Amen. Sharissa, once again, a week has gone by, but a ton of prophetic events has unfolded in those last seven days since we were here 
last. Yeah, there's certainly a lot happening in the world. The world as as it spins on its axis. Uh, it seems to be spinning quicker. It Is it spinning? seems to be spinning more quickly. <laughs> Things feel like they're spinning yeah. out of control and yeah. no doubt many of our listeners are feeling uh, that way in their own lives with yeah. the developments that are happening in the world. Uh, where should we start? Well, look, um, let's, let's begin with um, something that's been very near, de- near and dear to the heart of Christians and not just Christians but all uh, members of faith you know, in Australia. Well, let, let, let's just say New South Wales because we're dealing with New South Wales. Um, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago or so now, maybe three weeks ago, can't exactly remember, um, you know, one headline blurs into the next. But I remember, actually, I do remember the date. I remember the date. Um, it was like one of those 9-11 moments. We mm-hmm. just had 9-11 not so long ago, the 20th anniversary. But it was the 9th of the 9th. So it was a Thursday yep. when uh, Gladys, our Premier here in New South Wales, um, declared that when New South Wales gets to 70% double dose, only those who are doubly vaccinated will have the privilege and opportunity of attending church. Yeah, now, that was a very unexpected that uh, was announcement, right. but what an answer to prayer too. Yes. So anyway, that was then. Here we are now. I think it was on Monday, yep, Monday this right. week, a couple of days ago, where she stipulated that the exception to the rule when we get to 80%, double mm-hmm. double dose, uh, well, yeah, double dose, 80% in New South Wales, the exception to the rule of those who will be able to attend whether they are vaccinated or not, a place of worship would be those who are involved in, in worship, you know, those, those who go to a place of worship. So when we get to 80% double dose, mm-hmm. then the churches can open up to everyone and anyone, welcome everyone and anyone. There's no need for any COVID passport. There's no need uh, to show proof of your vaccination or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So at 70%, according to my understanding, double dose, only those who are doubly vaccinated can attend church. Oh, okay. But from 80%, 80% it's open, it's to, open all. to all. So basically October 11, I think they're speaking of, that's you know, the, the 70, that's a, that's a that's 70%. A percent. Yeah, oh, that's 70, a 70% yeah. double dose October 11. And they're saying a couple of weeks after that, let's just say beginning of November, mm-hmm. um, everyone will be allowed to, yeah, go to church mm. without any in, impediment. Yep. Impediment. And that said, there's been other developments yeah. on the mandating space. Yeah, there has been on a not is, so positive note. Is yeah. that? Well, yeah, about the teachers. Yeah, the education. teachers. The teachers, I think, when was it on Thursday or Friday last week? Yeah, um, the 23rd, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, um, so they, they received um, their official, uh, I guess, public health order that unless they are vaccinated. It's not just the teaching staff, but it's anyone and everyone who... Even a chaplain. Chaplain, um, counsellors, any other staff, people who work on the grounds. Um, So everyone and anyone who works at a school, even in voluntary capacity, um, will need to be doubly vaccinated, I think, by November 8. Mm -hmm. November 8, I think, is the date. So so look... um, as Seventh-day Adventists, we were talking about this before the show began, as Seventh-day Adventists, in case you're not quite sure, folk, um, and so Seventh-day Adventists, right from the inception of this prophetic movement, you know, more than 150 years ago now, the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was named as such in 1860. In 1863, it was organized um, as the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So ever since then, 
what has been on the forefront really has been um, three, three, we would say possibly four key, well, three key issues. One would be health, health and well-being. The other one is education. And the third one, of course, is, you know, our, our worship service, well, our, our churches, you know what I mean? Yep. So these three, and these three are being impacted. Um, you know, our education sector, you know, the Adventist church has the largest Protestant school system in the, in the world. The Seventh-day Adventist church has the largest Protestant health system in the world. The Seventh-day Adventist church is um, in more countries, you know, as far as churches go, as far as um, communities of faith go, than any other Protestant church in the world. So, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is being impacted in a huge way um, around the world, not just here in Australia, around the world mm-hmm. when it comes to these vaccine mandates. So, you know, folk have got their different views and opinions, and we respect that, I certainly do, but we do need to be really praying, Sharissa, for those Absolutely. who are really, you know, being extremely challenged right now and, you know, their, their careers, their jobs are on the line and, you know, Due to their conscience mm-hmm. and their decisions, um, yeah, they're having to they're having to weigh up, you know, these huge sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we need we need to be everybody, you know, no matter what your opinion is or your perspective is on on these issues. We Jesus said, "By this you shall know that you are my disciples, mm. but you love one another." Amen. And we need to Amen. be caring for our brothers and sisters and looking out for each other. It's definitely a time to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of things happening in the world at the moment. Last week, when we had the, uh, when we were online here, we had just had an earthquake in Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. And since then, there has been another earthquake oh, in the world. Whereabouts? Um, it was in. It was on the island of Crete. Mm-hmm. And it was a 5.8 on the Richter scale. One person, unfortunately, very sadly, uh, lost their lives. But, uh, yeah, there's another earthquake mm. that was happening in the world today. Uh, another thing, too, is uh, according to the news here, it looks like there's a giant hail warning issued for New South Wales as a storm is coming our way. Um, yeah, today. <laughs> in on the central coast, especially, this is what this is saying. Wow. So yeah, that's the weather is changing, but yes, yeah. So, folk, if you're on the central coast, <laughs> um, you need to be mindful of that. That's indeed, right. wow. Right. And um, what other items do you want to go to? Well. <laughs> <laughs> What other of the 400 items that we have do you want to go to? (laughs) Well, I've got here just another finding. It's just an interesting um, finding here. But there's someone's done some research on how a plant-based diet and pescatarian diet um, and COVID-19 affects COVID-19 severity. And it turns out, according to this article, Mm -hmm. and you can look it up if you want to look it up, BMJ Journals uh, for Nutrition Prevention and Health, they actually found that a, that a vegetarian or a plant-based diet actually gives you a much better chance at combating COVID-19. Is that right? So that would be a little plug for all of our listeners to yeah. look into, you know, eating more plant-based um, foods and, and uh, legumes and fresh produce because it will give your body and your health immune system a fighting chance. Yeah, well, fruits and vegetables are fortified with antioxidants. Yep. And uh, they are, you know, they are some of our best... Um, you know, defense force uh, when it comes to fighting off bugs yes. and, I mean, viruses and, and whatever else. So, 
you know, the stronger the immune system. And I think that's, that's what they were saying right at the beginning of the pandemic. They were saying, folk, you know, really seek to enhance your immune system. Get out there, exercise, eat good, healthy food, and so on and so forth. Put in, put in place those eight laws of health, you know, the, yep. the new start. The, right. the, the new start plan, nutrition, in case you're wondering, what's new start? Those eight laws of health are nutrition for and exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trust in divine power. New start. Amen. And you know what else is interesting about this is that uh, I watched a video online about climate change. You mm-hmm. know, people just, you know. What's climate change again? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's what happened today. <laughs> Changing. No, no. Um, yeah, and they were, it was interesting. The video made a point that, you know, one of the best ways to um, also protect your planet uh, is by having a vegetarian diet too. Well, yeah, they, they've been saying that. They've yeah. been saying that. And that makes sense because um, – you know, although 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 meat consumption um, does not you know does not take take up a huge part of our diet, relatively speaking, but it takes up a huge part of our of our earth resources, right. water, land, and so on and so, and pollution. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about you know greenhouse gas emissions, and you know the spotlights on your coal and your oil and your gas. You know, um, those non renewable energies, but we don't talk much about, you know, uh, the, the the farming of meat and so forth. That that impacts our climate. Hugely. Hugely. I was surprised at how much of an impact it had. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, plant-based diet helps you to have a better chance at fighting COVID-19. And also it helps you, um, you know, helps. It's better for the planet. It is. It is. But and it was God's idea too. <laughs> I guess they're not arguing that point because no. um, that does end up on the plate. And um, when I've found Sharissa, be it in a sermon, be it wherever, you start, you know, stepping on people's um, food toes. You know, you start you, you you start messing with people's diets, and boy, oh boy, the discussion gets very interesting. Have you noticed that? No, not really, but <laughs> I haven't preached it as much as you. Oh boy, oh boy, they're the sermons that are remembered yeah. for various reasons. <laughs> people are awake during those sermons. I can tell you, there's not many people sleeping when I'm doing a message on health in church. <laughs> they're all ears. Some are being very positive and amening, and some are like, "Oh, wait until I talk to him." Anyway. All right. Well, talking about climate change, um, there's a, a couple of big things that have come through. Um, we've, we've got the United Nations uh, General Assembly, which I think has just wrapped up. And it's interesting. I've been saying this all along, but our Prime Minister, um, Scott Morrison, who has been uh, seen by the United States in particular, as well as Western Europe, as dragging his heels when it comes to, you know, setting this um, zero emissions target of 2015, you know, making a commitment. You know, he's been, he's been saying as soon as possible. Well, it's interesting. You know, as we said, the pressure is going to come on because this is a global movement. This is a global agenda that is being rolled out that includes everyone. And guess what? Come United Nations. He is moving in that direction. Um, and so before Glasgow mm. in November, I, I'm predicting, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. Here we go. I have the name of a prophet, but I'm predicting that our government here in Australia, our federal government in Australia, will make a very clear statement as to what its, um, what its um, aims and, and what it will sign up to 
coming into Glasgow for 2050. And I, I'm almost about to predict that we will be on the same page as the United States, Western Europe. Yeah, I think that would be that it'll right. be it'll be eliminating greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, net zero, as they're referring to it. But That's we'll see. really interesting. You know what else? Uh, I saw a news article. This is um, from the beginning of September now, but uh, it's from a, a, mag- a magazine called The America Magazine. And there's a little uh, news report there that says Pope Francis is expected to host about three dozen religious leaders from around the world at a meeting at the Vatican in Rome, October 4, in preparation for the summit that we're talking about. Yes, here. that's so, right. And that's got that's got 10 scientists and about two or three dozen religious leaders from the world. That's significant. Huge. That is huge. Um, and uh, we've got about 20 seconds left. Um, he, Pope Francis and a couple of the other major world leaders um, in, in Christianity, the, the, the Orthodox Church as well as the, uh, the Uniting Church, Anglican Church, I should say, came together and they've also put together a joint statement, unprecedented. So we are living in unprecedented times, indeed. Yes. So, folk, we've got a lot more to share with you. And, um, yeah, times are changing. Jesus is coming soon. Sit back and listen to this beautiful song, Come and Worship, from Carly Fletcher. And then after the news, we'll be back with our study and possibly some other things as well. Come worship the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. created all things and calls us to rest from our labor. Each Sabbath He calls us aside to come rest in Him and abide. It's time to come back to our His sons and His daughters For He is the one who became one of us To die in our place for our sin Each Sabbath He calls us aside To come rest in Him and
We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Brecky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively Different Radio. My name is Danny from The Looking Up Show and I'd like to invite you to a brand new online series that I will be sharing beginning on October 5 called Discover Hope, Finding Peace in Uncertain Times. Together, we're going to discover from the Bible what the future holds. Is there any real hope? And what does the Bible predict about our future? So if you want to join me, simply go to discoverhope.info. That's discoverhope.info to register. Hey, everyone. You're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right. And if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun. So catch you then. Looking up to you. You're on Looking Up with uh, Sharissa and Danny and Shell directing traffic. We are here taking a look at Bible prophecy once again today because this show is all about helping us all collectively press on and looking forward to that day when Jesus will come. So we're looking up. That's why we call the show Looking Up because Jesus said, look up when you see all these things that we describe only briefly in our radio programs, coming to pass because your redemption is drawing near. Now, we have a giveaway for today. Now, our giveaway for today's show is um, how many people? How, how many? Two. Two. Okay. Is it the first two? Is that what we're going with today? The first two? All right. Let's just do one and two. Nice and easy. We'll keep things easy. The first two. And so the book is The Printed Prophets, the vital role of literature in the last days. Okay, that sounds like an interesting title. What do you reckon, Sharissa? Is there still two for everyone or are you taking one? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't come across this one. This one sounds very interesting. I love Bible prophecy. So this one, yeah, I wouldn't mind taking this one, no, but we can't do that. Um, and so, yeah, so the printed prophets, the vital role of literature in the last days. That sounds like a fascinating read. Must get your hands on that one. Absolutely. So anyway, that's the book that we're giving away. Um, uh, toward the end of our program, we will have a code word and we will let you know all about that in due course. So 
Sharissa, we were looking at some of the some of the prophetic developments that are taking place um, in the world, and I think I think we probably need to revisit um, one or two of them. In particular, sure. one that I just briefly, in a few seconds, um, just flew through, which I think is is really important for us to to look at a little more so, and that was the one where the world's top three Christian leaders according to this Yahoo News um, article from September 9, call for meaningful sacrifices mm. to combat climate change. Wow. Fascinating. Okay, so let me just read to you a little bit of this, and this, this is really phenomenal. It says, The leaders of the three largest Christian churches issued a joint statement Tuesday calling on the world to address the growing threat of climate change. The first ever... Joint address by Pope Francis, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the spiritual leader of the Orthodox Church. So these three faith communities make up more than 1.4, between 1.4 and 1.6 billion Christians in the world. Okay, there's about 2 billion Christians in the world. So these three faith community leaders make up way more than half the world's Christian population. Okay, it goes on. So, so this statement um, was in the run-up to the November United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. And this is what they say. This is what they say. We need to listen to the cry of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in this joint message, uh, this is basically what they shared. We call on everyone Whatever their belief or worldview, so this is everyone, all 7.8 billion people in the world, we call on everyone, whatever their belief or worldview, to endeavor to listen to the cry of the earth and of people who are poor, examining their behavior and pledging. And here are these two words that just really took my breath away. Examining their behavior and pledging meaningful sacrifices for the sake of the earth which God has given us. Wow. Wow. So when I read those words, these three faith leaders calling on people all around the world, regardless of what their belief or worldview may be, calling on all to make meaningful sacrifices for the sake of the earth which God has given us. Now, we're, we're, we're getting quite, you know, in, in like engaged in the subject right now. We, we did have uh, someone that asked us a question, and this is part of the reason why mm. we're, we're excited about all of these things. But um, they wanted to know what the mark of the beast looks like, and where, it, like, when you receive it, if it's received, what does it look like? Well, there are the people that people are asking that question regarding the mark of the beast because we are now seeing we are now seeing this global push uh, when it comes to the climate. As well as when it comes to the vaccine mandates, you know it's global. You know they're so we're all saying this is sort of connected. That's right. That's right. So when people read the mark of the beast, they see some similarities there, and we've talked about this in the past because the mark of the beast is going to be rolled out worldwide. Yeah. In fact, let's just have a look at that in Revelation thirteen. It's very very clear there. So let's just get it straight from the Bible. This is a question that's come in, and we thank you for your question. And if anyone has a question, feel free to to send us your question, 0491 064 669. You can text your question. And so 
Charissa, do you want to read Revelation 13 and verse 16 and 17? It says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So is this everyone? So, just the mark of the beast, yeah. Yeah, it's everyone, isn't mm-hmm. it? Everyone's implicated in this. So, Our world. Yeah, no one's going to be sitting on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right now we're, this is what's happening with the vaccines is definitely not the mark of the beast. It's not the it, mark of the beast. It smells like it. Exactly right. <laughs> um, and so people are asking, so what we need to know, and Charissa and I will probably do another program. We've done a program not so long ago looking at the mark of the beast mm-hmm. and asking the question, is it the vaccine? And we've, we, we, we've said very clearly it's not. You know, N-O, um, because the mark of the beast issue is over worship. Right. It's very, very clear over worship. In chapter 13 and chapter 14 alone, the word worship appears eight times. Um, from In the book of Revelation, it appears 24 times, uh, that word worship. And so if you want to take a look at that important point in the third angel's message, In Revelation 14, if you want to read verses 9 to 11, we discover there that worship is at the forefront of the mark of the beast issue. So do you want to just read that? Yeah, the Bible says, Revelation 14, 9 to 11, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Okay, so what's the mark of the beast in relation to? Worshipping Worship. the beast and his image. Exactly, worshipping the beast and his image. Mm-hmm. So the beast is not the vaccine. Uh, well, well, the beast is not the vaccine companies. <laughs> That's right. So, um, or Bill Gates or any anything like that. The beast is none other than the Roman papacy. Um, in this passage, you know, that's that first beast of Revelation chapter 13. And so very, very clearly uh, the Bible tells us that the mark of the beast issue will be the final issue at the end of time. It will be focused on worship, who you will give your allegiance to, and um, and God will never force worship upon us. In fact, you know, the first angel's message in Revelation 14.7 speaks of God invites the world to worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Mm -hmm. And so that is what the key issue is at the end of time. It's over worship. So the mark of the beast is over worship. It's not over the vaccine. Mm -hmm. The vaccine is a health issue. The worship issue will be based on the Ten Commandments of God, Mm -hmm. you know, the law of God, because that is the issue at the end of time. The, The Ten Commandments are in focus, and in particular, we discover the the commandment that says when to worship, why to worship, and who to to worship, worship, the fourth commandment, the Creator God, the Creator God, and when He has designated a day for worship, Mm. that is the key issue. So the climate change agenda very much taps into that. Okay. So that's what we're going to look at on another occasion because we don't have time for that now, but it's a great question. So rest assured we're going to cover that. But the mark of the beast is not the vaccine. Let's just get that straight so that no one needs to have any doubts. So 
If you want to get the vaccine, you get the vaccine. That's up to you. If you choose not to, that's okay as well. But whether you get it or you don't has nothing to do with the mark of the beast, period. Was that clear enough? I couldn't be clear. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So back to these meaningful sacrifices. Um, Yeah, you know, I'm I'm asking what sort of sacrifice will people be willing to make? Does this entail certain individuals who maybe will have to compromise their faith Mm. in order to get on board uh, for the sake of listening to the cry (laughs) of the earth? Yeah, very, very interesting. You know what else is interesting along those lines is the push that is coming from young people around the world where the young people, younger generations are really standing up protesting and they're saying that uh, 75% of young people today in the world say the future is frightening Mm. and they're pressuring and lobbying their government leaders to do something, act now. They are. Yeah. Well, I read um, I read um, an article and it surveyed young people, and I think they said fifty percent or possibly more of young people are afraid to have children mm-hmm. because they're not quite sure what kind of world their children will grow up in. So they're hesitant and then they're anxious to have children. Mm-hmm. You know, this is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. You know, young people who are you know preparing for marriage, preparing to have families, and they are wondering, should we have children? Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of angst out there, a lot of anxiety. It's fascinating. Um, this was interesting from the secretary general of the United Nations. Um, and he outlined, uh, the future vision of the United Nations. And I just want to read a couple of things here from what he said. He spoke of, uh, greener, safer, better future. And he spoke of our common agenda, you know, speaking of the 17 Sustainable Development Goals um, and uh, 12 in particular agenda items that were put through in 2020 at the United Nations General Assembly in 2020. And then he went on and he said this at the end of his presentation. This was fascinating from um, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Guterres. And uh, this is what he said. Global governance may sound lofty or abstract. It is not. And then he went on and he said, the choice is ours to make, but we will not have this chance again. Amazing. This is amazing. Global governance is what Revelation 17 and 18 speak of. Mm-hmm. Revelation 13, 3, where the whole world followed and wandered after the beast. Uh, Revelation 17, 12 to 14, you know, the 10 kings give their authority for one hour with the beast, and they are of one mind. That's speaking of global governance. And the Secretary General is saying, hey, this is not a lofty or an abstract idea. It is reality coming down the track. Amazing. We must be, We every day draws us nearer to the coming of Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. And I pray that every day draws us nearer to him. Amen. In, in Amen. Presence. And a final, a final headline. Mm. Let me share this one. Um, this was from LifeSite News. This is back in March, so March 15 of this year. And, um, and they, they were referring to an, an interview from Pope Francis um, with, 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 I guess, another, uh, with, a, with a, I can't remember, I think a reporter, and um, just looking at um, a new book that the Pope put out 
God and the World to Come is the title of that book. And they were just unpacking some of the key thoughts. And the headline was, Pope calls for New World Order, saying wasting COVID crisis would be worse than pandemic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> straight out. <laughs> straight out. So, um, yeah, this is not a, a Christian um, uh, news site. It is a conservative news site. They deal with all sorts of things that are more sort of traditionally based. But, yeah, Pope calls for new world order, says wasting COVID crisis would be worse than the pandemic itself. And uh, the World Economic Forum, they came out um, and said, you know, five things COVID-19 has taught us about fighting climate change. We can learn from COVID-19 how to fight the climate. We've got lessons to learn, that is, what happens when we all yeah, stop? Yeah, when we all stop and when we all r- put our resources together and we're all focused rowing in the same direction, mm-hmm. what we can achieve. Imagine we did that for the climate. Mm. So, we're you know, right we are right there. And, you know, that, that headline from the LA Times that you shared with me, you know, COVID was a dress rehearsal for global climate change. Um, it's just so true. It really is. We've been saying that all along and that's where we are. Well, are we, are we nearly out of, we're out of time. Yeah, we have almost run out of time. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to be moving into our Bible study in Revelation after this. So yeah, lots to talk about as far as what's happening in the world, but we want to now be moving into our Bible study in just a little bit. So sit back, have a little break, enjoy this um, song, Wake Up, O Daughter of Zion. Wow, if ever we needed to wake up and smell the roses, um, it's surely now, Sharissa. Thanks, Shell. Top. Wake up, O daughter Zion, leave here your clothing of shame. No more the orphan or harlot. See, I give you a new name. Take up these garments of splendor, beautiful daughter, rise up. Surround you, dress in the gown of my love. Glorious there in the chamber, wearing the of splendor Beautiful daughter rise up Feel my great mercy surround you Dress in the gown of my love Beautiful bride after Mary you'll be the crown of my glory you're my most highly esteemed 
Take up these garments of splendor Beautiful daughter, rise up Feel my great mercy surround you Dress in the gown of my love Dress in the gown of my love Hope you enjoyed that beautiful song, Wake Up, O Daughter of Zion. And um, in the Old Testament, the daughter of Zion was the children of Israel, God's professed people, his ambassadors. In the New Testament, it's those that have accepted Jesus Christ. They are the daughter of Zion. So that includes all of us here, Sharissa. Absolutely. You, Shell, myself, and, um, and I pray each and every listener out there is part of the daughter of Zion. So... Sharissa, I'm going to hand over to you now All right. as you lead us in this Bible study in Revelation. Excellent. Well, let's open with a word of prayer, shall we? Our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much that we can study your word. And we just pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us now, help us to understand, and also to gain a fresh picture of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I guess um, we're going through the seven churches. Last week we did the first church, so that means this week we're up to the second church, uh, the Church of Smyrna. But maybe we should just recap for our listeners what we've been talking about so far so is there anything you'd like to submit to that recap well i think uh the first thing i'd want to just simply recap is that the book of revelation is all about jesus Mm. Uh, his front and center it's in the title there we looked at that a couple of weeks ago it's the revelation of jesus christ or the revelation about jesus christ so it's a book that has jesus christ front and center and that's why it really is my favorite book of the bible Amen. I love that. Yes, you're right. John saw Jesus before he sees anything else mm. in the book, and it was a very beautiful, uh, powerful picture that he saw. And and uh, Jesus told him, do not be afraid. Amen. He said, I'm the first and the last. And that's that's really the reason for this show. We want people to look to Jesus because when we look to him, we find peace and safety and assurance. Uh, we began then looking at the letter of to the church of Ephesus. It's the first church. And we saw here that there is a way to understand these these church the letters to these churches as being symbolic they're full of symbolism yes there were literal churches there in John's day however these churches have an end time significance as well and they also have an a, a uh, application to history. That's right. Uh, the historicist approach to reading Bible prophecy actually recognizes that the seven churches describes the whole of Christian history, right down from, uh, you know, the time of Pentecost, from the time of Jesus, right after the ascension of Jesus, right down to where we are today. Mm. And last week, when we were talking about the Church of Ephesus, we saw it was an active church, which was very fitting for the for a description of the Apostolic Church. Absolutely. But uh, when Jesus wrote them his love letter, because I like too that it's uh, the book of Revelation is a love story. Mm, you mentioned seven that last love week. letters here. When he sends them this love letter, he tells them that they have lost their first love. Mm. So they got so busy being active for the Lord that it came between um, them and their love for God, which is something which we learned from as well. Absolutely. That's that's a valuable lesson for us, especially those who are engaged in full-time ministry. You can be so busy 
working for the Lord that you don't have time to spend, you know, the time you need with the Lord of the work. Absolutely. And actually on what you just shared there, you know, what would it be for us personally to receive a letter from Jesus? What wow. would he have to say to us? I'd be a bit scared of opening it, <laughs> sure, to be honest. <laughs> Me too, but at the same time, yeah, you know very, that he loves you. And those whom I love are rebuke and chasing. Yeah. We're coming to that We're coming too. to that seventh church, yes. All right, so that was the apostolic church, and that was looking at a period of Christian history from about 31 AD right down to 100 AD. Today we come to what's called the person. Persecuted church and mm. Pastor Danny, do you want to read uh, the letter? To sure. This so we'll read it all the way through. So if you've got your Bibles, folk, we'd encourage you to join us um, in taking a look at this passage. So four verses from verse eight to verse eleven. So this is what it says: "And to the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, and I'm reading from Revelation chapter two: These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life." I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Wow. <laughs> There's so much in this. There is. Um, a lot of history is here um, described too. But let's go back to the beginning and just go verse by verse. Uh, we're talking now about another period of Christian history. I have a period in, here in my notes from 100 to 313 to Yep, you happy with that? 313, yeah. 313 AD. So this is looking at this part, this era of Christian so About history. 200 years. Yeah. And uh, the name Smyrna. Yeah, fascinating name. It is. What I've is been it? to the... You've been and, there? And by the way, we just need to, in case you're wondering where these, uh, where these churches are, where these places are, today they are in modern-day Turkey. So if you go to modern-day Turkey, you'll find these seven churches that are listed in Revelation. That was referred to as Asia Minor back in Bible times in the first century uh, when John was writing Revelation. And Smyrna is a fascinating name. It means sweet-smelling, mm-hmm. sweet-smelling. And um, I've got this fantastic Bible commentary here called An Enduring Vision, Revelation Revealed, uh, by Austin Cook. Mm-hmm. And this is what he writes. He writes, uh, this scent is derived from myrrh, yes. an Arabian herb that was used to make an aromatic ointment. When myrrh is crushed, it gives forth a beautiful fragrance. Mm. This was a perfect picture of the saints of the Smyrnan period. The saints were crushed by their martyrdom, by their dying, sorry, but, yeah, but their dying rendered a fragrant testimony to their faith in Christ. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Myrrh is is a really fitting yeah. um, title name for this particular church. Have you been to Smyrna? Did you say? Yeah, I've been to been Smyrna. There? I've been to all of the seven churches in Turkey. Wow. Yeah. And um, in some places, there's not much left. You yeah. know, they've kind of built over it. Um, but yeah, I can't remember whether there was much ruins left <laughs> um, there at the archaeological site of Smyrna or not. So, yeah, wow. but it is it, it is fascinating. 
um, the language that's used here and just the perfect Very language. Very appropriate. Uh, myrrh used for embalming the dead. That's right. And I guess it's hinting at what you've just read there and the name. It hints at the heavy persecution that the church experienced during this period of Christian history. But as we look at it, we find that persecution seems to purify the church. That's right. Um, so, And the reason why we say that is because <laughs> Jesus has no points of rebuke for this church no. in his love letter. Only two churches, this is one of them. The other this one is, is Philadelphia. One yep, the Philadelphia church we'll see was the church of brotherly love. Mm. But this one was the persecuted church and Jesus had only, you know, you know, just positive things and encouragement uh, to say to them. So that's encouraging. Uh, let's now unpack it a little bit further, what Jesus says. He says in verse 8, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Wow. This is Jesus introducing himself. Absolutely. Powerful. There, there are many different names for Jesus in the Bible, but he specifically chooses to introduce himself to the persecuted church as one who was dead and came to life. Mm. That's hope. Absolutely. And that taps into what we read in Revelation 1, verses 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. Because there, Jesus says to John, he, the Bible says, um, Jesus said to John, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades, that's a word for the grave, and of death. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is telling this persecuted church where, you know, countless thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions, only, only one day in eternity will we know the true numbers, were willing to give up their very lives mm -hmm. for the sake of Christ. And so Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. And you know what's interesting? There are historical accounts of the Christians being marched into the Colosseums mm -hmm. and uh, singing, their faces lighted up, the whole families, you know, the whole family being marched out because they're not willing to worship anyone but Jesus Christ. And they were singing praises to God as they were marched into the Colosseum ready to be ripped apart by by hungry lions, wow. and um, and also set alight. You know, they would be set alight, um, and they'd have chariot races and use the Christians as torches. Mm. And so, you know, and it's interesting what um, Tertullian, <laughs> excuse me, Tertullian, who is um, who is uh, who was a Christian, you know, uh, a, a leader of the Christian community back then. Um, he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So the more they persecuted, uh, the more they grew because they put their faith and trust in Jesus. They were, they, they were not afraid of death. And, Sharissa, we need not be afraid of death today. Amen. We, we don't have to be afraid no. of death when we know Jesus. Because he's got who, the keys. He's the one who's got the keys in Revelation one seventeen. The first he's the, the one who was dead and he's come exactly. to life. He's the he first has, fruit. Yeah. yeah, he's the life giver. So. Yep. Um, and then what you just said there about how this was growing their faith, that's in verse 9, basically. Jesus says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. Um, what does that mean? Well, they were poor as far as uh, the things of this world was concerned because they were persecuted, they were thrown out of their homes, they, they had to hide in the caves. And I've been, I've been uh, to the catacombs. There in Turkey, there are catacombs. Um, in Rome, there are catacombs where where the Christians, 
you know, would live under the earth in order to flee the persecution so that they could continue to worship their creator and God according to their conscience in freedom, even, even though their, you know, their living conditions were, you know, atrocious, what we cannot even imagine. But they were faithful to God. They were faithful to God. And so they didn't have the things of this world, but they were rich as far as um, spiritual faith, love, hope, character. Whereas it's interesting, the seventh church, which we're going to get to, is rich in the things of this world, but is wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked when it comes to the spiritual blessings. Oh, good, good comparison right there. I hadn't thought of it um, doing that. That's really powerful. You know, um, just along those lines, I'm just thinking of two Bible verses which I'd like to share. One is James 2 verse 5, and here it says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world mm. to be rich in faith oh, love and that. heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? And uh, here's another one here. This is Paul talking about the marks of ministry to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 6.10. He says, uh, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Wow. That's what it means to be a Christian. You may look poor in the eyes of the world, but you have everything when you have Christ. So if you have Christ, you are the richest person on the planet. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And this is Jesus telling this church, you know, as you said, you know, they've been brought into the Colosseum. They've been crucified. They've been uh, torn apart by wild beasts in they've front of They've been thrown cars. out of their homes. They've left their homes. Thrown out of their homes. They have nothing left. They've had everything taken from them. Mm. Um, they've been tortured. And those catacombs, I think when Jesus comes, there'll be many people. Oh, yes. Who because will... they buried their loved ones in the catacombs. Yes. It's yeah. amazing. And so um, what's also interesting here is that there's kind of – in the process, in the progress from Ephesus to Smyrna, it's almost like a repeat of you know in Genesis. From Genesis, we had it starts off good, but then there's the fall, mm. <laughs> and then when we go to Smyrna, there's a persecution coming with the Exodus um, its time as well. So it's like history is repeating itself. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the history of spiritual Israel, and uh, in the moments that remain right here, this is love story and Jesus. You know, how much do they really love Jesus? They loved him with everything that they had. Mm. Um, we want to come back and just unpack the rest of verse 9, I guess, um, after this next song, which looks like it's right along the theme of what we're talking about. Yes, it does. And um, I know your works. So the good news is Jesus knows our works. He knows our hearts. He knows us inside out. So we don't need to be afraid or we don't need to pretend that we can be honest with Christ each and every day. So as you listen to this song, why don't you open up your heart to the one who knows you and who loves you. Enjoy and we'll be with you in a moment.
Well, that was beautiful. That really was beautiful. That said it all in that song, Charissa. It, it did. Thank you so much. Thank you, to, <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Shell, And thank you to the New York City young people. Uh, that is uh, who blessed us with that beautiful song, I Know Your Works. And so, Charissa, that is our theme. Um, in the second church of the seven churches in Revelation, Jesus knows the works. Jesus knows each church. He knows all of us, and he loves us, and he wants to save us ultimately. Amen. He knows everything that we're going through. Just like nothing escapes his notice uh, in these seven churches, God knows what you're facing in your life right now. And uh, we pray that this is an encouraging study for you as you are reminded of God's love. Mm. Because uh, these are you. challenging times that we're Absolutely. in. And this is a church that lived in challenging that times. That lived in challenging times. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, we were in uh, verse 9, and I think we just need to unpack just a few more things. Jesus talks about how he knows their poverty, but acknowledges that this church is rich in faith, which is something that God desires for us to be as well. And Jesus says, And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, what's this talking about? This is this obviously is, symbolic. Yeah, it's symbolic, um, but... You have you you have during the second and the third century you have persecution um, of the Christians by the Jewish community yeah. because Christians were considered a sect um, during during this time although they had spread throughout the Roman Empire but they were still not considered um, uh, a respected and authorized religion by the Romans because the main reason was they would not bend the knee to anyone but Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, so, so it's quite interesting that, um, you know, here, here Jesus says, you know, you, what does it say? Um, I know your works, uh, your poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, we can say we are Jews outwardly. This is speaking, obviously, yes, as you said, in a symbolic sense, we can say we belong to Christ, um, but if our actions don't show that, then that means nothing. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've got any scriptures. I had a couple of scriptures on what it means to be a Jew according to Scripture. We might have the same one. I have Romans two twenty-eight and 29. Yes, I have that. Do you want to read that? Sure. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart mm. in, that, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. So I guess in this sense, the spiritual application would be Jews in this letter are symbolic of those who are Christian believers in Christ. That's right. And obviously the persecution does some separating. It does. It separates the true believers from the fake believers. There's always a shaking. Not strong There's believers. always a shaking. Whenever a persecution shaking. comes, there is a shaking. Um, before persecution, you have, you know, you've got your on-fire Christians, yep. you have your cold Christians, and you have your lukewarm Christians. They're all together worshipping, and no one knows the difference. But it's only when the heat is turned up that... You know, we discover, you know, who are the genuine, real deal Christians. So it's like gold. Yep. How is gold purified? Through fire. Through fire. Yep. And so we are purified through trials. I've got another scripture in uh, yep. Galatians 3.29 where the Apostle Paul says, And if you are Christ's, mm. then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, so, so the same point. 
Absolutely. And I guess, you know, when you think about it, to think that this in, in this time, the synagogue of Satan is being revealed through this time of persecution, that could be a little bit daunting to, to someone if you're in that time. But I love what Jesus says next. He says, do not fear any of those things. Do not fear any of those things. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about them. Um, he goes on, don't fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. And we've talked already about those things, Colosseum, lions, fire. It goes on, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Mm. Now, this is interesting. It is fascinating. Um, I guess this is, first of all, an important point, because this is evidence that a historicist reading of Bible prophecy is really the best and the correct way of reading it because these 10 days are symbolic for uh, 10 literal years, a 10-year uh, period of time. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add on the history of that? Well, I think, um, yeah, I think that's important what you've shared. And we have, we have under the Emperor Domitian uh, between 303 and 313 in particular, um, we have the heaviest persecution of Christians. And it's interesting, that is immediately prior to Constantine coming onto the scene yes. and the third church coming onto the scene, which we're going to look at next week. But it's it's fascinating that, um, yeah, sorry, I, 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 I said... Um, Domitian. Domitian, no, no, it's, it's actually... Yeah, yeah, Diocletian. Yep. Diocletian, so I got my pronunciation um, a little bit out. <laughs> but it's interesting that um, that 10 also represents you know global it represents it represents holistic like you got 10 mm. toes 10 fingers mm. and so as Good i was point. thinking about that i hadn't thought about this before but these 200 years um the entire 200 year period is it can be described as a time of persecution by and large, there was persecution all the way through, and I've got I've got some historical references here, which we won't take the time to go through. But there are at least thirteen emperors, thirteen emperors from about ninety eight A.D. all the way through to um, Diocletian, thirteen emperors who who put in place um, very serious and severe persecution of the Christians. Wow! And so it was one emperor after another. You know, Diocletian was really the worst, but and that's that 10 days there in the literal sense, but it was all the way through. Because 10, 10 is, um, you've got 10 virgins, okay? You've got the, the woman um, who lost one coin in Luke 15 who had 10 coins. Um, you also have, you know, 10 kings, um, which make up, you know, the kings of the world in Revelation 17 verses 12 to 14. So 10 is a, is a holistic number. So it's a good number. This is it's a it's a good number. So it's saying, yeah, persecution was you know all the way through that period. I like that. I hadn't thought of that. You know, I um, Justin and I completeness were, ten completeness completeness. Justin and I, um, well, he found a video and he showed it to me, and I I took some notes on it because it was called if a if a first century Christian had a conversation with your average twenty twenty one Christian. It's on mm -hmm. YouTube. If All you right, look yep, it up. yep, yep. And it's uh, really interesting. This lady from the first century, she's dressed in the garb of a first century Christian, and she tells of how they're being persecuted and how she hasn't had a shower for so long and she hasn't eaten for a few <laughs> days, and it's so hard 
And the one in the 20, in 2021, she says, I know exactly what you mean by persecution. And I made a Facebook post and I had an atheist make fun of me. It was so hard. She said, <laughs> she said, if you want to change the destination of your life, you need to change the declaration of your lips. Speak hope, speak faith. You know, the, um, yeah. you know, these things. <laughs> it was very clever. She says, um, then the, the first century Christian says to the one in 2021, she said, it must be so nice to have the Bible. Um, you know, I never had. I never saw the Bible. We didn't have wow. the scriptures like what you and I have today. And uh, the twenty twenty one, uh, the one that lives in twenty twenty one, says, "Oh, look, I I read it, but I'm so busy. I've got to drop the kids at soccer, and I have Netflix." <laughs> and um, she says, in "Facebook, the, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, your favorite app." <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually don't know how to use that one. But um, the one in the first century says, You have the letters with the words of our Lord that I never read and you haven't even read it. She says, Is this what 2,000 years has done to the Christian faith? And this is how the video ends. The Christian from the first century says to the one in 2021, She says, I think I have the better deal. Wow. She doesn't want anything to do with the Christianity of uh, today. Wow. But, you know, very interesting because we are drawn closest to God in the bad times. Amen. And uh, we don't pick these bad times when we're suffering, but when we're suffering, the only place we have to go is is to God. Yeah. And you know what, Sharissa, on that, I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again. Um, Revelation speaks of a time in connection with the mark of the beast where those who choose not to receive the mark of the beast will not be able to buy or sell. Mm. Even their lives Mm -hmm. will be in danger. That's in Revelation 13. And I tell people that that will be the best thing God can allow for his people because then we will, for the first time, later see an lukewarm, apathetic, rich and increased with goods, Christians will for the first time rely on God 100% of the time for 100% of their needs, just like the church in Smyrna, just like the church in Smyrna. And that is how God will refine his church at the end of time and prepare it for the heavenly courts above. Otherwise, Sharissa, this may not... Uh, be appealing for our ears to hear, but the reality is the way we are right now, sadly, well, I can speak for myself, the way I am right now, I'm not fit for heaven. I need to be refined, and I know that God in his mercy will refine me by allowing me to go through trials and tribulations as they did in Smyrna in order to weed out of my life, to refine out of my life, to take out all the rubbish that I have accumulated and continue to accumulate that is based on self and that is not based 100% on Christ. Amen. So that's my little sermon. That's powerful. And, you know, the refiner's fire, knowing mm. the one who who's, who has the fire, who controls the fire, he controls it to the point so that when he looks at us, he mm. sees his reflection. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what he wants. He wants. To- so we should not be afraid of a time when we're not be able to buy or sell if we want to be faithful to Jesus. We that's should right. be thanking God for that opportunity to rely on him 100% for everything. Yes. 
That's right. Remember the words of Jesus. Fear, do not fear any of those things Amen. which are about which you're about to suffer. Do not fear what is coming. Keep your eyes fixed on me, Jesus says. And I love how the reward of this church is at the end here of verse 10, after talking about that 10 years of intense um, persecution, he says, be faithful until death and I will give you a crown of life. Mm. Uh, we can unpack this a little bit more because uh, be faithful until death. For the Christian, death is a sleep. Sleep. So it's like be faithful until sleep. And I will wake you up and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. Uh, this is a very, very beautiful message. And it's interesting. Jesus says, you know, in, in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, you know, mm-hmm. um, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say well done, good and successful servant, mm-hmm. but it's always good and faithful servant. So it's about being faithful and not necessarily successful. This world is focused on success, mm-hmm. rising up the ladder whereas God is focused on faithfulness. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and God's reward, his promise is not an earthly one. No. It's an eternal one. And uh, I guess for us today, you, I, we should ask ourselves, you know, what are we living for? Mm. Are we living for ourselves? Are we living for our families? Are we living what, for, what do we live for? Because if we're living for Jesus, mm. then he promises to us, not an earthly reward or a temporal reward, but an eternal reward. Amen. His, Amen. And, and, and his eternal home. Amen. And and the the clue is in that word crown. Yes. The word crown, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. That word there, crown, is not speaking of a royal crown like you put on a king or a queen or a queen. The word for crown here is the 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 crown or the garland that was awarded to an athlete powerful when they won the race you know like like we have in the olympics today we've just had the olympics and they don't put a wreath on their head today but they did back in roman times 2000 years ago they give them a gold medal today or a silver or whatever but it's a gold medal if you win the race back then if you won the race you received uh, a garland um a wreath. a wreath, yeah, on your head. You mm-hmm. know, that was and, – and it's interesting because the Apostle Paul uses the analogy of running the race. Mm. He says, I have run the race. Yep. I have – Finished the race. I have finished the race. I have, I have kept the faith. I have, you know, what's the last part? I've kept the Henceforth faith. Henceforth is laid out yeah. for me. Uh, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous does, will give to me on that Amen. day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. So it's about running the race, and that's why Jesus says in sorry, in, in Hebrews 12, you know, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. And it speaks of there, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Powerful. So it's about being faithful in the Christian race which begins today all the way through until Jesus comes. Amen. And the way we can be faithful is, is through being rich in faith and just asking God to, Amen. to grow us. And yeah, Wow, time's getting away again. It is. Look at that. We are down to a few seconds before we move into our next song, Even Unto Death, Be Faithful Even Unto Death. So sit back, Audrey Assad, and we will continue our Bible study after the news. Jesus, the very thought of you, it fills my heart with love. Jesus, you burn like wildfire. 
Hey there, dudes and dudettes. This is Robbie. And I'm Tash from Real Faith. If you'd like to have a more vibrant walk with God, then come join us from 3.30 to 5.30 every Thursday hour to hear fresh stories of God working in real people's lives. Digging deep into the scriptures and having a fun time. We'll We'll see see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to Encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. We're with Danny and Sharissa and Shell in the driver's seat. Making sure we're on track and uh, we're in our final stage here. We're in the home stretch now. Charissa, it's flown by. Where has the time we went go by? so fast we forgot to get the co I know, I know. That <laughs> was, that was my bad again. I take full <laughs> no. responsibility for all the bloopers and everything else that happens on this show <laughs> and the things that should happen and don't happen. So our code word is... Faithful. Faithful. So the first person to call in with the word faithful... We'll get one of those two books. So there's two books going, The Printed Prophets, The Vital Role of Literature in the Last Days. So some of you already have the phone number and you don't need it, but for those of you who may want it, 0491 064 669. That's 0491 064 669. These are, these are, are fantastic prize, Charissa. Yes. The Printed Prophets, mm. the vital role of literature in the last days. And it sounds like a fascinating read. So hope and pray that you will um, jump in. Two people, the first two people, it will be yours. Ah, sounds good. So, Sharissa, we've got that out of the way. So Yeah, well, we're, we're almost ready to bring this home now. We with, are, with, indeed. Um, it's only a short letter, this letter to the Church of Smyrna. But it's jam-packed full of encouragement rich for rich us today. Encouragement. We're also living in... Challenging times, not not as challenging, no, but never. they will be they will be getting there. We Absolutely. will be living in a very challenging time in the coming days. You know, I uh, I found as I was doing a little bit of research a story about um, Polycarp. Mm-hmm. Smyrna was his home. Yes, and he was martyred here in Smyrna in I think one sixty eight A.D. And um, when he was asked to renounce his Christian faith. Polycarp said this, 86 years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Mm. And such, I guess, captures his, his statement here, captures the heart, the spirit, the, the love for Jesus that was in the hearts of the Christians in this uh, time of, of the Christian church. Yeah, and uh, very beautiful. inspiring. As I've been said. to the home of Polycarp. Really? Well, where his home once was. It's no longer there. There's something built over it. But yeah, the traditional home of Polycarp. Wow. And that was very inspiring. Wow. I would love to see that. Well, um, we've only got one verse left and there's um, it's a packed verse. Do you want to read verse 11 again for sure. us? 
So this is Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11, if you are following in your own Bible. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. All right. Now, this is something we need to unpack. Mm. Uh, we talked a little bit at the end of verse 10 about how, you know, Jesus says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And I made a passing comment there, and that was that for the Christian, this reads, Be faithful till sleep, because Jesus called death asleep. He did, indeed. He told his disciples that in... Um, John 11. John 11, when he went to raise his friend Lazarus. I'm just going to turn there and just highlight two verses uh, for our listeners. In John chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking a rest and sleep. Mm. Verse 14 then says, Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. That's right. um, and so... Um, this is the um, the truth about death, and actually, we've got a whole series coming out on the end digital. Yes, tell us about that. When's uh, that happening? Well, I just saw an advertisement, but it's coming out. I think it's October nineteen or something to twenty something. I'll just uh, look it up for us right now. And what eighteen to twenty nine? Eighteen to twenty nine. So yeah, uh, a whole series on this very subject. And it's interesting. The Bible refers to death as a sleep some fifty times. Yeah, from Genesis to Revelation. So it's not one or two scriptures it's all the way through death is asleep yes and um and you know that's what we say you know our loved one has you know has gone to his or her rest Mm -hmm. may they rest in peace you know we use that um language yeah something though that's very interesting about this letter is that there is a reference here to the second yes, death. Yes. Uh, two deaths? There are two deaths. So we need to talk about that, Sharissa. We, we better talk about it. Where would you like to start? Well, the Bible speaks of two resurrections, mm-hmm. um, and there are two deaths. There's the first death, and then there's the second death, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the two resurrections that Jesus spoke of uh, can be found in John 5, yep. verse 28 and 29, where Jesus says, Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. So everyone who is asleep will hear his voice. He goes on, verse 29. And come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Mm. So Jesus spoke of two resurrections. And so the one, the first one is those who will be saved Sadly, the second resurrection are those who will be lost forever. And the Revelation chapter 20 picks up on this idea as well. Okay, so when you say lost forever, you're saying there's no waking up from the second death. There is no waking up from the second death. The second death is an eternal sleep. So it's permanently dead for all eternity. So where the righteous will enjoy eternal life, Mm -hmm. the lost will sadly suffer eternal death, the opposite, Mm -hmm. um, or an eternal sleep. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible speaks of that also in Revelation chapter 20. It says, um, Revelation chapter 20, that's the chapter on the millennium. And, uh, (laughs) excuse me, where are we here? Uh, Revelation chapter 20, and um, and I'm trying to find it here, verse, 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 verse 6. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, it says, Blessed 
and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So once again, that, that idea is repeated here. The second death is, is being lost forevermore. So we all die the first death mm-hmm. if, we, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus doesn't come yeah. in our lifetime. We will all die the first death, but those who are lost will sadly die the second death. There are two resurrections. There's the resurrection of the righteous mm-hmm. um, when Jesus comes. And then after the 1,000 years, when the righteous come down to this earth in the New Jerusalem, that's all in Revelation chapter 20, then those who sadly are lost and are in their graves, which will be everyone, because at the coming of Jesus, all those who are lost that have turned their back on Christ and the plan of salvation, they'll be destroyed by the brightness of his coming, the Bible says, and those that are in the graves remain in the grave. So everyone everyone is dead on planet Earth when Jesus comes, as far as those who are the, the lost. But when Jesus comes after a thousand years, they will be raised again. They will all be raised. So that's the second resurrection. And um, sadly, they will then, you know, um, you know, with the devil and Satan, mm-hmm. they, fire will fall down from heaven and will yeah, destroy them, destroy them so completely. This is very clear. And, you know, Revelation is the only book of the Bible that talks about a second death. But I guess Jesus almost, he does kind of allude to it in the story of Lazarus. When I just, I'll just read to you what he said here. Um, Jesus says to Martha in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. He really likes that title because he uses it in Revelation as well. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Mm. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Mm. And so, so he will not experience the second death. That's right. Mm. And so I, I guess in that sense, Lazarus, he experienced the first death twice. He did. He did. <laughs> it gets yes. a bit confusing. You'll have to... Everyone will just have to sit and think about that for a minute. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he experienced um, the first death twice because, by God's grace, mm. he will have eternal life with, yes. with Christ when Jesus there comes. There will be those that will be resurrected twice as well. Um, mm, yeah. There will be those that, and Jesus spoke of that um, in um, Matthew 26, yes. um, verse 64 in particular, Matthew 26, verse 64, where, you know, to the high priest yes. and uh, to the Jewish Sanhedrin, he said, you know, the, do you want to read it? Do you have it there? Uh, I was looking at oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if you had it. I think I've got it here. Matthew 26, what did I say? 64. 64 yeah. Matthew 26, 64. This is what Jesus said. Mm. Jesus said to him, he's speaking to, um, you know, he's speaking to the high priest, Caiaphas, and he says, it is as you said when he was asked, are you the son of God? Tell us. And he says, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. That's mm-hmm. speaking of the second coming of Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. That's right. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. So there's going to be a special resurrection of those that uh, persecuted Christ, those that nailed him to the cross, uh, those that condemned him to death. We don't exactly know who they were. Jesus certainly speaks to the religious establishment there. Pilate when, will be one. Yes, Pilate will most likely be one. And so, and and it, it could be that some of the some of the greatest persecutors 
of God's people down through the ages will mm, also I never thought of that. will also experience that 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 resurrection, that special resurrection where they will see Christ come. Now, obviously, they're not going to be taken to heaven because they are part of the lost, so they will die along with the living who are lost, and then they'll be raised again the second time for their for the final judgment at the end of the 1,000 years. Wow. That's, a, that's an amazing thought right there. You just added to my understanding of this. Look, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, what a what a time that will be when Jesus comes if for these people who, you know, the last thing they saw of Jesus or or the last thing they were doing was persecuting him, mm. uh, to see him coming in the clouds of heaven with all the angels of heaven with power and glory. That is going to be an amazing sight <laughs> and a fearful one for them too, but yeah. Mm. So as for us, Sharissa, we need to be focused on accepting Christ into our hearts and into our lives. And uh, if, we, if we have Christ in our lives, we don't need to fear death. Yes. And we can, we can rest assured that even if we pass away, we will be part of that first resurrection. Um, and we will never experience the second death. And, you know, another, th- there is only one up until this point in human history that has experienced the second death, and that's Jesus. That's right. Jesus experienced a second death. And now you may be thinking, what? How does that work? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, mm-hmm. he was willing to be lost forever. Mm-hmm. You know, as one author um, in Desire of Ages, Ellen White, she writes, you know, he could not see past the portals of the tomb. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus died on the cross, he could not see past the grave. Yes. Instead, all he did was put his faith and trust in his Father. And that's why he cried out. His final words were, you know, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Amen. And the Bible says, he said, it is finished. Yeah, just on that note, that's a beautiful way for us to finish. Hebrews 2 verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Mm, so he, that's right on there. Yeah, he died the death that we deserve. He was willing to die that second death, willing to be extinct so that we could have eternal life because mm. he couldn't see through the Amen. portals of the tomb. Amen. But um, he was victorious over death and he has Amen. the keys. And so um, no matter what may come our way, um, when we know Jesus, we have no fear in death. Because death for the Christian, death for the believer, is just a sleep, peaceful, unconscious sleep from which Jesus will wake us up from when he comes. Mm. The divine alarm clock, that trumpet. Oh, I love that. That's that divine alarm clock that will sound and all the dead in Christ will hear his voice and will awake. Amen. That's powerful, Sharissa. Anything else you want to add in these last few seconds before we go to our break and come back for the last little bit? Uh, just remember there is wonderful promises for those who be, who are faithful to Jesus, who are overcomers. Amen and amen. And, folk, that is God's plan for each and every one of us. There is a crown of life waiting for each and every person that puts their faith and trust wholly in Jesus Christ, relies not on their own self in any way, but trusts in Jesus Christ alone. Sit back and enjoy this beautiful song from the remnant, Tradition, and we'll be with you with a final few thoughts. In the Holy Bible it tells of a day When the beast will rule among us 
and many shall fall away. Famine, war, and desolation, nation rising against nation, trouble everywhere you turn. Cause in the time of Noah, in the days before the flood, the love of many will wax cold and streets will run with blood. Rape, murder, grief, and sorrow, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, this world's gonna burn. I believe that we are living in the days John wrote about. The end times are upon us, and of that there is no doubt. Get your mind out of the world, take your Bible off the shelf, read the book of Revelation for yourself. When that flaming star comes down Tribulation When the seven seals are broken And the seven vows are open And seven trumpets sound Was really moving at a rate of knots. 
A bit like what's been happening in the world, moving at a rapid pace. Those oh. final movements will be rapid ones. Sharissa, have you heard that phrase before? I've heard before? that phrase before, and the final song was rapid too. It was very rapid. So anyway, we, we've come to the end of our program, folk. We've only got a few moments as we wrap up, but we are so glad that you have joined us um, this afternoon. I hope and pray that you've been blessed as we have looked at this church, the Church of Smyrna that went through persecution, but in spite of that persecution, it grew in faith and in number. And it, it is a powerful witness, a powerful example to us today, because we as Christians are and will continue to go through challenging times and more and more as we draw nearer to the coming of Jesus. So this church, Sharissa, will, will continually be uh, a powerful encouragement to those of us who are living in 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. And, you know, this church was persecuted, and behind the persecution was Satan. Mm. Like Satan is always trying to attack God's church. 